0: Uh, Pastor Eliakim, uh, for those of you who remember Morris and Ida who've come several years and shared with us, uh, he went to the Bible college that they uh, started uh, and then he uh, was part of pastoring a church in Uganda for three years. Uh, and then, actually, Jaime was a part of a team that went to Kenya and uh, in a town called Mumias, and uh, they started a church, and uh, Pastor Leakim was the pastor who took that church over, has been pastoring it for the last seven years, and so uh, he's going to come, he's going to share the word with us this morning, share a little bit about what God's doing uh, with him and his family and the ministry there, uh, and then after he's done with that, he's going to share just a couple ways that we can pray for him, and I'm going to come up, and, and we're just going to take some time as a fellowship just to pray for him, the ministry, his family, uh, and just be behind what the Lord's doing there. So uh, why don't we just welcome him up here uh, as he shares the word of God with us. Praise God. Amen. I know we can do better than that. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, there is joy in the house of the Lord. Um, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is uh, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Uh, My name is Pastor Eliakim Motieno, as Pastor Matthew has already mentioned, and I am married to Sylvia uh, for the past nine years, and God has blessed us with uh, one son, David. Um, He turned six in June 24th this year, and uh, he just brings a lot of joy in my family. Thank you so much, Pastor, for having me come here today and for the opportunity to share the word. Um, for the past seven years, we have been in Mumias, and uh, we are pastoring a church called Bible Community Church. And um, thank you, Jaime. Thank you, Male for uh, your friendship and your fellowship together with us. Uh, God bless you for that. And thank you, everybody, who have come this morning not to listen to me. I believe you have come to listen from our Father. And so... I'm not going to be uh, speaking. Our Father is going to be speaking to us. Hallelujah. I pray that I will be a vessel that he's going to use this morning to speak to all of us uh, for his own glory. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I bless you for your goodness and your mercies and your forever. Thank you, Father, because your word says you can do exceedingly abundantly More than all we can uh, think or imagine, Lord, all we can ask, Father, you can do beyond exceedingly abundantly. And this morning, my Father, even as we gather in this place, Father, to listen to you, Father, we ask that your spirit shall uh, come and shall speak to us, that, Father, you shall point out all the things that we need, Father, from your word this morning. We worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Amen. So um, this morning, I know that we will have some more time to talk a little bit about what we are doing in Mumias and uh, uh, my family and uh, how God has been working through us. But before that, we just want to go before our father and listen to what he has to say. I would love us to open the book of Matthew and chapter 9. And I'm going to talk about something that I believe is the Father's heart for the church today. I believe that um, each and every one of us who believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have been given some work to do, and that is what we are going to talk about this morning. So I'm going to talk about becoming laborers. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 9. We are going to look at um, verse uh, 37 and 38. But for the sake of context, I will read from verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. I was reading from the New King James Version. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm going to tell you a short story about Africa, and then I will go into uh, the things that the Lord has put on my heart that we should share this morning. So long time ago in Africa, people, uh, the main economic activity people uh, undertook was farming. And so men had these big, big pieces of land, like hundreds or thousands of acres of land. And the more you could cultivate those lands, the richer you are, the more stable in terms of uh, food you are. And so many people were busy working in their farms and so men discovered that the best way to get a guaranteed labor for work was to have more sons and so men went into marrying more ladies more women more wives so that they can have many children as many as five in one year and then so that they can grow many sons, and then they have a lot more labor to work in their farms. Does that make sense? So they thought that was a good idea, and that explains a lot why in Africa, it's not uncommon for one man to be married to four, five, or even six wives. To have many kids, to have many children, and that was the glory of the man. That was the investment the man. That was the security of the family. Then they can work larger pieces of land. And this happened for a long time. Uh, And some of the sons that were born took up the vision of their fathers and worked the land. But some of them, they were disobedient. Some of them, they got busy doing what was fun to them, what was interesting to them, what they what made them feel good, and what made their friends feel good. And obviously, working was not part of that. So they refused. We will not go to the farms and work. So over the years, the fathers discovered that having many sons does not equate to having many people working in your farm. You can have many sons, but it only depends on their obedience to go and work in the farm. Jesus talks to his disciples one evening. He has done a lot of miracles. He has healed the people from the book of Matthew chapter 9. You read that he healed all their diseases, all that came to him. He healed all their sicknesses. And then he looks at them. They were like like so many people. The Bible calls them a multitude of people. He looks at his disciples and says, The harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Pray that the Lord of harvest shall send more laborers into the field. Just before Jesus was taken up uh, back to heaven, after the resurrection, Jesus spoke. And I believe this, because he spoke it uh, towards the end of his time on earth, he was like, this is the summary of all I've been telling you. This is the summary of what I would love for you to do, you who say that you believe in me. And he told them what the church has come to name, the Great Commission. He told them that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go therefore and make disciples. This was on the heart of Jesus that when he took his disciples on the mount before he was taken up into heaven, they asked him, are you now going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, that's not upon you to know. It's not upon you to know the times and the seasons that the father has prepared in his wisdom, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you shall be my witnesses. You shall go and witness about me. And so I believe that this was on the heart of Jesus, that Jesus wanted to to send these people out, not to do anything else, not to celebrate the miracles, not to to be amazed by the power of healing, by the power of casting out demons, but he wanted them to go out and share the gospel. He wanted them to go out and be witnesses. Today, the church is over 2,000 years old, but statistics show that the number of people going out to share about Jesus, to witness, is dwindling. It's going down. Not so many Christians today want to go out and tell people about Jesus, and the society is turning away from Jesus. Jesus is being chased away from homes. He's being chased away from nations. He's being chased away from schools. Many people are running away from Jesus. Many people are turning away from Jesus. And then the society is getting corrupt and corrupt. Man is getting himself uh, uh, he's hurting himself by his own decisions. It's because we are running away from Jesus. Why is the society getting more corrupt? I believe that it's because the church is not doing enough to witness about Jesus. I believe that we have so many Christians today who would rather be Christians and quiet in their homes and have fellowship with fellow believers than to go out and face someone and tell them Jesus loves you. I believe we have so many people who are comfortable to sneak into a church on Sunday and have a good worship service and they have, they, they, they have no boldness to stand before somebody who doesn't know Jesus and tell them, Jesus loves you. He died for you. You are a sinner and you need him. We have, we have framed all kinds of uh, thoughts and attitudes. We, we think that is being arrogant. That is forcing yourself on somebody. That is, you know pushing yourself into, forcing your religious beliefs into someone. Guess what? Jesus is not a religious belief. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. He's not only the way for some people. He's the way for the world. There is no any other way. There is no way that people out there are going to heaven without going through Jesus. Think about it this way. You have a friend and he's driving the opposite direction from you, and you have just been driving that direction, but you made a U-turn, and you saw some danger down the road, and you made a U-turn, and your your friend is driving towards that direction, and you, you wonder, should I tell him there is danger ahead, and he's your good friend? Of course you will tell him. Of course you will want to stop him. You will tell him it's It's not good down there. Please don't drive down there. That road leads to destruction. Please don't drive down there. What if your friend tells you, mind your own business? Will you shut up and go home? I don't think so. You will want to make the friend realize that what they are driving into is going to kill them. And that is typically the message of the cross. Unless people turn unless people repent and walk towards Jesus, unless people put their lives, put their trust in Jesus, they are going to die. They are going to hell. It doesn't matter to me if my friend will think I am imposing myself on him, but I know that I am saving his life. And so many Christians don't feel comfortable, you know, telling people about salvation, about Jesus. And I believe, I've come to believe, that there are about three things, three main things. There may be more, but I am going to look at three things that keep many Christians from out, going out and sharing the gospel. I will call this the three hindrances, the three blocks that keep people from going out and sharing the gospel. They know the gospel is good. They know Jesus is Lord. They would want to, but they are not. They are not doing it. The first thing I believe that keeps people from going out and share the gospel is fear. Many Christians fear and they have all things to fear. Some people fear, you know, they fear to be rejected. What will my friend tell? Look, how how will my friend look at me? Hallelujah. How how will my friend look at me? I don't want to look like a religious lunatic. I don't want to look like a crazy, you know, religious uh, lady or man. I, I am a gentleman. So I fear, you know, how will my fellow workers look at me if I keep on telling them about Jesus? If everyone I meet, I tell them about Jesus, how will they feel about me? I don't want somebody to think that I am crazy. I am this religious um, crazy person. No, I want people to look at me like a gentleman. Well, what you have to offer is better than any gift you can give your friends. Jesus is better than any gift anyone can give their friends. And if we think of it that way, then we overcome the fear. Many people fear. They say, what, what will become of me? Uh, what if my friend uh, fears me. Uh, they, they, they. It changes their opinion towards me. The second thing people fear. They fear what if I'm not received. What if I share with them the gospel? What if I, I, you know, I gather the boldness to share the gospel and I go out there and tell my friend about Jesus, and he says, well. Thank you. It was a good talk. I'll think about it. So they fear that they are their friends are not going to receive the message. And so they fear. And we have all these opinions we form in our minds when we look at someone and we are like, no, that one is not going to <laughs> no, no no. I don't think I should tell him about Jesus. He obviously is not going to listen to me. We have opinions of people we form. We we have people we think will receive Jesus better. We have people we think will not receive Jesus. They are too proud. Our work was to witness. Our work is not to determine who will receive the message. Jesus told us to go out and be witnesses. Let's tell them about Jesus. And whether they believe in him or not, that's not my work. As a pastor, it's not my work to save people, but it's my work to be faithful, to tell them about Jesus. And the decision will be upon them. You're not the first one they reject. Jesus told them about heaven. Jesus told them about who he was, and they rejected him. They rejected the king of glory on his face. They rejected him. In his hometown, they rejected him away from his hometown. In fact, they crucified him. So I don't care if Christianity becomes the minority. It may become minority. The Christians may get persecuted and some of them will be killed. The question is, are you willing to go that? Are you willing to go that far? Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. I believe that uh, the world today doesn't need a lot of peace treaties, a lot of, you know, uh, wise uh, negotiators. The world today needs Jesus. I believe I was sharing with, uh, with one of the brothers in the morning, and he was like, do you know what the statistics tell about how many Christians today that are, they, they are, um, I don't know how he framed it, but it, I will paraphrase it. How many Christians today are truly disciples of Jesus and do what true disciples of Jesus needed to do? And he was placing the figure at about 7%. I was like, that is, that explains everything. Why the world has no peace. That explains everything about the characters of people today. Church, we need to tell people about Jesus. We have the best message anyone can ever have out there. When people are dying of cancer, they need to know that Jesus, Jesus offers them life. It's not the end of everything. Jesus offers them life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The second thing I believe, I mean, I will give you two scriptures for fear. Uh, most people fear. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4 and through 8. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4 through 8. You remember Jeremiah when the Lord said, I have called you, I want you to be my servant. I want you to tell people about me. He was like, well, God, that's... Um, I am young, you know, (laughs) I am, yeah, there are a lot of people in Israel who are mature enough to, you know, become your servants, I'm just a young person, the true thing behind that answer was that Jeremiah was afraid, there was fear in him, how do I become a prophet, I'm just a young man, what if this big man come up and they stand on my face and they're like, can you shut up? What will I do? God, I think I'm just a young man, please. Um, When Moses was called to go and speak to Pharaoh, Moses said, you know, I don't know how to speak well. Yeah. So Moses was taking pride in his weakness just to avoid what God wanted him to do. That's what he was doing. He was quoting his weakness as a reason why he should not obey God. And God says, I know. <laughs> it's not like you're going to teach me your weaknesses. I know them. And I went through them before I decided who I'm going to call to go speak for me. I know your weaknesses, but I am the Lord. I know how you feel about yourself, but I am the Lord. You are not going in your name. You're going in my name. And Moses went and the nation of Israel was delivered. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 4 to 10. Joshua chapter 1 verse 4 to 10. If Joshua was, was being called to serve the Lord, it was important that the Lord reminds him there is no place for fear and timidity in serving God. And God told him, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous because that's all that it will take. Stand. Stand. Do not move. Do not waver from this word. Do not go to the left or to the right. Hallelujah. Second thing I believe keeps people from uh, going out and witnessing about Jesus is the desire for perfection. Most people believe they are not yet perfect to go and share the word. You know, I, have, I was just born again the other day, so how can I tell people about Jesus? You know, I've just been in church for three months. I've just been in church for six months. You know, I'm still young. I'm still getting acquainted with, you know, how things are going. You know, I still want to know how, you know, I'm just new in this church, and actually I want to know uh, to study their faith. I mean, if they believe in Jesus, they are a church. If they believe and preach the gospel, you should be at home. When I walked into, the, into this uh, house this morning, I felt home. I felt, I felt I am home because I know I am in the home of my father. I don't feel that way when I walk into every other building but i knew that brothers and sisters that are walking in here today are my brothers and sisters from another mother but we share a father <laughs> many people they would not go out and share the gospel because they feel they are insufficient they are insufficient I need to learn enough verses. I need to get this argument straight. What if I walk into someone? What if I walk into someone that is pro-abortion? How will I? What verses in the Bible can I use to answer them? How can I? Where in the Bible can I go for this and that? I don't think I'm sufficient, so I'm not going to go out. People feel insufficient. People feel like I need to, you know, learn this. I need to at least attend a Bible college. I need, let pastor do that for some moment. Let pastor do that. I will just, I'm just good at, you know, listening. No. The Bible says when the spirit of God came upon Peter at the day of Pentecost, they rose up and they shared what they knew, what they had seen. And what they had heard. They say Jesus is Lord. Because we have walked with him. You people killed him. But the Lord raised him from the dead. And through him. every knee, Every soul in the world. Should be saved. If you believe in him. You will be saved. He didn't go to a Bible school. Some people say that. Okay it's because they walked with Jesus three years. So he trained them well. If he trained them, they did not seem trained for what they should do the moment before Jesus was taken to heaven. They were asking him about establishing a kingdom in Israel. Doesn't sound like they had learned their lesson. Doesn't sound like they had just known that Jesus is Lord and He is truth. When, when he told them he will resurrect, they, don't, they didn't believe him. That's why they ran to his tomb on the first day of the week and they were like, is it happening? They should have been in a room and talking and rejoicing, waiting for the news that he has resurrected. When the women walked in with the news of the resurrection of Jesus, they didn't believe it. Peter ran back to the tomb to go and confirm. It doesn't sound to me like they had much faith in what Jesus had taught them in three years. But when the Spirit came upon them, they knew we have to be witnesses of all these things. What we have seen, what we have heard. Church, I believe it's time that the church goes out of its four walls and tell people about Jesus. The world today is dying because they don't have Jesus. Jesus. The world today is looking for peace in all the wrong places. The world today is looking for safety in all the wrong places. We have so many people looking for identity in all the wrong ways. People don't know who they are. People are confused even who they are. They don't know themselves. They don't know why they are here. They don't know. Some of them don't even know where they came from they say they happened to be. We just became. Praise the name of the Lord. Some people believe we are just here. We, we became um, some sudden, we, we, we formed out of nothing. Actually, we formed out of nothing. We became. That sounds like somebody who doesn't know where he came from. Nothing comes out of something. Uh, nothing comes out of nothing. We must have come from somewhere with all the design, with all the uh, uh, complicated design in human body. Surely somebody must have been smart who created us. My time is gone, but I want to leave you with this. Some people feel that even monetary-wise, financially, they are not well enough to go out of their homes, to go out of their country to tell people about Jesus, to go out as missionaries to tell people about Jesus. But this is what I will uh, say about that. When there was a crowd and Jesus wanted to feed them, His disciples said, We can, we sincerely, we cannot have enough food to feed these people. Just release them that they may go. But Jesus said, What do you have? And what the little boy had was two fish and five loaves of bread. They placed that in Jesus' hands and he prayed, giving thanks for what God had provided. And when he placed it down, it was enough to feed 5,000 people and more. Sometimes it's not what we see, it's what we believe. If we just want to, God will provide. This morning I was talking to my friend Heime, and he was telling me about the experience on raising funds to go to Rwanda early this year. And he was talking about, I don't know, 15,000? that he needed to raise to take his family to Rwanda. Well, if he was so rich, he would, have, he would have, you know, gone to his account, withdrawn that money, and take his family to Rwanda. But he told me he could not afford that money by himself. But he believed God was calling them to go to Rwanda. And then he started asking for people to support him. He told me some of the people who, gave money into his trip, were not even believers. They were not even believers. I believe God has placed all the resources we need to do what he needs us to do. In all the people that we meet, God has placed resources to do what we need to do for him. And if we can just be obedient and do what touches his heart, then he will provide everything that we need. Thank you so much. Like the African fathers, like the African fathers who came to learn that it's not having many sons that makes the work done. It's the obedience of the sons. I pray that this morning God will put upon us to be obedient to his call. Nothing touches the heart of Jesus like a believer going out And telling people, Jesus loves you. You need him in your life. It is more than any gift you can give to someone. And when we do that, his love, his provision, his protection shall be upon us. Don't fear. Don't feel insufficient. Don't feel like you are not qualified enough. There is no day we will be perfect. I have been a pastor for the last uh, 10 years, but I still learn many things. When I sit down and I look at what God has taught me, when I go out, when I tell people about Jesus, I still learn things that I haven't learned for 10 years. This journey, we learn as we go. We don't graduate then go. Praise God. We, we don't graduate, then go. We go and then graduate. May God bless you. Shall I pray? And then uh, we shall have some few more minutes uh, for some other stuff about myself. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I bless you for the opportunity, Father, to share. I thank you because I believe that... Uh, as it's in your heart for us to go out and to tell people about Jesus. Father, you loved us so much that you sent your only son to die on the cross for us. And I pray that, Father, we will realize the magnitude of that love and that, Father, we shall go out. We shall no longer be fearful if there is anyone in here today who feels... uh, uh, fear, who feels not sufficient, who feels not qualified. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will fill them with your boldness, that your faith shall fill their hearts, and that, Father, from this moment, they shall arise in their communities, in their workplaces, in their neighborhoods, in their nations. They shall arise and they shall tell people about you, Lord. We thank you and we bless you. We shall see the nation changing. We shall sh- we shall see the world changing, because one more person went out and told people about the marvelous love of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, I ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Um. So, Pastor had asked me to um, get some few more minutes and uh, talk about ourselves and you can ask a question about the church in Mumias uh, before I just open up for the questions. Maybe I can talk about the church and um, that way we can I can answer some of the questions. The church in Mumias was opened in the year 2012 and um uh, I have been the pastor in that place uh, from then to date. Um, I am married to Sylvia and God has blessed us with uh, one son, David. He turned six in June 24th. Um, God blessed us with another son in 2014, but he passed on five days after his birth. And um, so... Mostly I say I have two sons. One is already home, and I still take care of the other one. Amen. Um, The church in Mumias is planted in a neighborhood that was dominantly Islamic, and so like 85% of the uh, neighbors that we have were Islamic. The person who sold us the land where the church sits today is a Muslim. And he, he's, a, he's, a, he, he's not happy that he sold the land at all. Because he did not know that the land was going to be a church land. But bad to him, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> so the church in Mumias has been going through a hard time. Um, I cannot say that it is dangerous to be a Christian in Mumias. We have some few bad guys in Mumias, but we are not threatened. We, are, they, they are, we have not encountered any form of violent opposition from them. And um, except for a few things, our property was um, uh, vandalized one time. Uh, the church signpost was brought down at least four times, and so that's all that happens. But um, we cannot tell if the people who uh, took our uh, church signpost were actually motivated by uh, what we what we preach, or they just wanted the metal for the scrap or to get some money. So, yeah. Um, We have about 40 people uh, in the church, including uh, men, women, and children. And um, we have two elders. And uh, my house is right next to the church, and so we are at church (laughs) 24-7. You can call that full-time ministry. (laughs) Thank you. So I'll take any questions if there is any. Yes, please. How does the church reach out to those Muslims? Is there any programs? So So, uh, recently our church has, um, we have been trying um, one-on-one evangelism, and uh, recently our church began what we call the Jesus Film Project. And every Saturday night we go out to a public space and we set up this uh, screen and we show the Jesus Film out there. And as the Jesus film is playing, we are. Uh, I tell people about what is happening in the film because I do not believe that it just needs to be an entertainment for people to have some good time on, on, on Saturday, but they also need to understand the importance of what they are seeing to their lives. And so after every movie, uh, Jesus film, at the end of it, we we take about five ten minutes and I share the gospel with the people. And I invite them to come and receive Jesus. And so, uh, at least two of them have showed up, but we pray with them and, uh, we have gotten some testimonies from people who did not come to the ground, but were in their homes. And because we have speakers set up and we really, uh, put the volume as high as we can, and so they, they can hear from their homes, and uh, as we pray, they believe with us, and at least this lady came and was like, since you prayed for us that day, I believed uh, in that prayer. And um, she said, since I was married to this home, we have never had a peaceful night like we have things walking in our on our roof. And we have doors cracking at night, and we things have been moving in our house since I got married to this home. But uh, that night we prayed. I believed with you, and uh, since then it's now two weeks. We have never had that thing in our house. So we believe that <coughs> the Lord delivered them from whatever was giving them sleepless nights, and. Um, we will continue to do this because it does not only give us joy, but I believe it gives the people hope. So thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife is uh, um, planning to set up a kindergarten school and um, have, have uh, the kids come and be taught. Um, it's a good platform that can also help us to reach out. The young ones. So, what are ways that we can pray for you and your family and ministry? One of the main ways I would love uh, for us to pray was um, to to have the the Jesus film, God to show us um, and take us to the places where He will use the Jesus film to change lives. friend of mine from Florida sent me some Jesus film in the local dialects, and that way people can hear Jesus speaking their mother tongue. And so we believe that uh, with those, God will change the people. But I also want us to pray that the people who receive Jesus will get this boldness to come out and be witnesses of what Jesus has done in their lives. Because I believe that uh, uh, it's one thing for us to tell people what Jesus is able to do to them, but if people who are, you know, of the other religion come up and they are um, witnessing that it's true, Jesus touched their lives and they can see changes in their lives, I believe that will work much uh, more impact. Than just us sharing with them. So, the boldness for those who receive Christ to come up, come forward. Yes, Mark. Why don't we uh, take some time to pray? um, And you can lift those prayers up or something else the Lord might have put on your heart to pray. uh, And I'll close us in prayer and just uh, lift up Pastor Eliakim, his family, the ministry.